Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is five days away from deciding the future of the world's foremost democracy. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, I that just came off the cuff, guys. Sorry. And in, in, in all likelihood, we won't know the future of democracy in five days. Um, but I feel like maybe yeah, I mean, next it's year... going to be Howie Hawkins and Angela Walker. I don't even know why we're, you know, <laughs> why, bothered with why we're debating stuff. this. Right. Are you, are you kidding? Jorgensen? Oh, yeah. Jorgensen, 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 Spike Jorgensen, Cohen. Jorgensen I mean, come on. I His can't name is Spike. Um, you know, maybe next year is also a good name for any podcast that takes place in 2020, maybe particularly <laughs> a political one. Um, but we're not a political podcast. We're a Bills podcast. Um, and we are here to discuss the 18 to 10 victory over the uh, Jets that happened on Sunday. I would like to apologize before we recap this game. Uh, to our listeners who f- relied on my faulty 16 to 10 prediction that I made for the Bills game. Um, I had gotten most of it right, but I apologize for those two points. Um, I hope that uh, your faith in us is not shattered. Um, but the Bills, um, you know, we had talked about what this game meant to us and w- what they could do and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, there was certainly an array of opinions that they were never going to make up the 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 confidence gap that they lost by, by the Chiefs and, and certainly the Titans game, um, but you know the Bills come away with a victory. They're they're three and zero in the in the division. Um, they have a I wouldn't say a commanding lead, but the, you know the, the the Jets are toast, um, and their closest competition, the Dolphins, are are currently two games back or two two and a half. I forget because there's like a weird number of uh, things going on here. Um, you know, and and this week's opponent, the the Patriots, are even worse off. So there's a lot to talk about in this game. Uh, there for a game with uh, Paul. I'm going to go to you first because I want to ask you the question. Um, at the time, we were talking about how many teams have won with no touchdowns and no punts. And initially, there was some game that, like, based on the box score, said there was no punts, but the write-up of the game said that there was a punt. Um, And that was from, you know, that was Washington versus the Brooklyn Dodgers football of the 50s. So there's a good chance, and maybe you know this, um, was this the first game in history that that happened that way? Only... um, I mean, Elias Sports, you, you were smart enough to reach out to Elias Sports, try and get us an answer. We couldn't get one there. We had the 1941 game between Washington and the uh, now World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Congratulations right. to them for switching sports and winning a title. Not <laughs> easy to do. Yeah. But, you know, and then I had one uh, one of our listeners, Bree Schrader. She had reached out and said, hey, she's on Reddit. It happened in 1941. But she said, take that with a grain of salt because Reddit. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. it's the same game yeah. that we've already disproven as, as one from the AAFC. So we have yet to find. And I looked. I to be fair, I only looked for about 15 minutes. I will try to, you know, break it down a little bit more. But yeah, this was a bizarre game in terms of the the box score with with no punts and yeah, no. Uh, and, go ahead. Well, I by all means, I think at this point you should just take it away yeah. and whatever you want to talk about with this game, go for it because it, it it for a 18 to 10 kind of clunker. There's a lot to talk about. There is and. I have been the uh, all the way up through the first part of the second quarter of that game, really since 
the middle of week two, I have been one of the defenses. I shouldn't say the defense's biggest critics because I'm a rational human being. And there are many irrational human beings who are jumping on the defense when they will give up like a seven yard run and think that's the worst defense in history. So I tend to be a little more grounded, but I have been on them. And, you know, you can say, okay, well, this was the Jets. The Jets are terrible. They held the Jets to what was it, four yards in the second half, something like that? I think it was yeah. negative. No, yes, it was four yards. Four yards. I thought it was negative for a while. Right. And it might have even been negative passing yards uh, when you count. Yeah, I'll see if I can confirm that. Yeah. Right. Because Sam Darnold only completed one one pass in the second half. And you say, well, it's the Jets. They don't have a very good offense. They don't have very good receivers. But you hold an NFL team to four yards in the second half in a game where you're offense can't find the end zone as well as they were driving the ball that was that was clutch and they did it with matt milano only playing exactly one third of the snaps on the bigger downs they still were thin at cornerback uh depending of course on uh the that call up rod woodson oh no i'm sorry his name was dane jackson but he looked like rod woodson in his first uh first nfl game that was awesome to see so really just hats off to the the defense in this one, they, they're they going to have a tall order next week as well. They did struggle against the run a little bit early this game. That's still a concern going forward. Will it be after this week once the trade deadline hits? We'll find out. But I just want to give full thumbs up to the defense. Before I forget special teams, full thumbs up to Andre Roberts, who when I saw a nice uh, Twitter thing involving Jay Feely, the former kicker and CBS announcer, he noted how Roberts had spotted something on the Jets kick return coverage that made him think, hmm, even though I'm taking this seven yards deep in the end zone, I should run this out. And then he proceeded to bring it to the Jets side of the field. So kudos to them. Uh special teams, I I I you know what I'm gonna leave bass for you guys because I don't I just shrug my shoulders at that. You know, I, I don't even know like, yes, he made six kicks. Yes, he had a fifth with a yarder, but every kick he had moved and he still missed two other kicks. And I don't know what to think. And people who can talk more educatedly about kickers can get into him. Okay, the but we're gonna make we're gonna make you have a stance on him by the end of the segment. All right. Uh, the the offense is, boy, this is again the the famous the as far as we know the only no punt no touchdown game. And mind you, it involved one turnover. The Bills every single drive, all nine of them, got into scoring range. And eight times they tried a field goal, and one time they turned it over. Josh Allen, again, over 300 yards passing. Zach Moss gave some signs of life to the running game, even though the running game is still not what we want to see. But man, you got to start got to start finishing finishing drives. This has been a you know disconcerting sort of trend we've seen in the last few weeks where they're not finishing drives very well. Now, it's a long season. I don't have serious concerns. I do think that you know a lot of people are talking about their problems going over the top on these long plays now and they're doing well underneath that's why Cole Beasley had a big day I think it's teams planning for that certainly especially after Josh proved he could throw deep earlier this year which he hadn't proven in his first two seasons but I think it's also missing John Brown who hopefully he comes in so yeah it's easy to say these Jets you know these Jets suck the Bills should win this game uh, should have won this game and it would have been nice to do it by a more convincing margin because they had a negative point difference, you know, this awful historic point differential. But they went in on the road. They won the game. They swept a Jets team who we used to have to share a, a bar with uh, them and their terrible fans and how annoying that was. And it, there's, it just feels sweet. So overall, I, I have 
positive impressions of this game, despite maybe wishing the offense had put up 30 some points rather than 18. Scott. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, it's a bit of uh, a tale of two halves. I think the, and really tale of like two and a half quarters, two and a, two quarters and like three minutes in the sense that like the really like the first half and, and beginning of the second quarter, like, like I was seriously worried. I was like, this team does not look like they know how to play football because this Jets team is not that good. And they are going up and down the field. They're we're not getting any traction on offense. Um, it was it was definitely like a bit ugly and worrisome. And then around the time of the Dane Jackson interception, the Bills had kind of managed to right the ship. It, it suddenly seemed that the, the frankly, the just the defensive line started to play better. And they started to yep. be able to get more pressure. And the the passes that were a little off in the first quarter were now starting to connect a little better. The run game, which had been obviously in fits and starts um, the whole season to a certain extent, started to get on track a little bit in the second half, um, mostly with Zach Moss, but also a little bit with Singletary. Obviously, Allen had attempted to kind of like patch the gap there by, by, by obviously having a good day on the ground with 61 yards. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, in general, I think the Bills <coughs> were able to rally the ship. I think obviously it's concerning that they weren't able to punch it in and get touchdowns. Um, some of that, I think, uh, is a bit of a symptom of last year's team in that what they may have done is they kind of went back to the Josh Allen of last year. And we talked about this a little on Sunday, but it seemed a lot like they're like, well, the the slashing, daring, passing offense that we had the first three or four games either doesn't work in general right now or it doesn't work because we have, don't have John Brown. So let's just go back to Josh Allen, game manager, with a little bit of running, and let's just run that. And because that's – as long as we're doing that, we're not going to turn the ball over. We're going to get the ball into the red zone. We're going to get the ball into Tyler Bass field goal range, mm-hmm. and he'll make 75% of them, and we'll call it a day. And that's going to be enough to win this game. That is enough to win this game. It was enough to win nine or ten games last year and get into the playoffs. It is not good enough to win Super Bowl championships, probably. Uh, There's a low probability that that's going to be good enough to win. So we need to get that that kind of offense back and be able to execute it against better teams than the Jets. Um, Because, again, 18 points isn't going to win most games uh, these days anyway. But it can win you this game against the Jets. I'm glad they did it. I think it's good that they can go into this next week with some, you know, a three-game losing streak, and now you're now you're facing the Patriots, your old, your old uh, rivals, and not even rivals, but you know, a team that's historically dominated you for the last 20 years. Happy so Halloween! Ha- <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So Halloween, I, I think right? I'm, the monster risen from the grave here. So yeah. I, I'm glad that uh, they won. I think they still have work to do, but obviously. Uh... Yeah, obviously. I'm sorry, Scott. I, I didn't hear the end of your sentence. Yeah, successfully, oh. then we can win more games. Mm-hmm. That was weird. There were some. Sorry. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, I couldn't hear you for a second. And I thought maybe I better just jump in, but we, we got the end of your thought. Um. He, Yes, the the answer to this is yes. It was a bit of a mix of last year's Josh Allen and this year's Josh Allen in that, you know, 43 attempts and 307 yards, right? Like there there's flashes of 
of this year's Josh Allen. Um, and I think that I agree that it certainly was the tale of two halves. And I think I even said on the first drive or the touchdown drive for the Jets um, that I was thinking that, you know, the question I know I definitely said out loud that like we were going to know on the first drive of the second half, whether the bills were going to win this game or not, because it had all the markings of a game that was like, here's this listless team that's counted out and they're going to punch really hard. And either the good team is going to figure it out or they're not. And if you don't figure it out by the first drive of the second half, you're not going to right? like that. To me, that was it. And actually to their credit, they figured it out a little before the, the, that, um, you know, certainly um, I think you're absolutely right on the defensive line. And I think that begins and ends with a guy named Jerry Hughes, who who really finally, you know, showed up on the stat sheet in a in a great way. Um, you know, we can talk to about Matt Milano's presence and, and his, you know, he gets two tackles and half a sack. And I think probably makes everybody else better in a, in a way that is hard to quantify. Um the quarterbacks were hurting, but thankfully the Jets receivers were hurting more. That said, like Dane Jackson, you know, have yourself a day. Uh, good job. Um, you know, it's it, it is just the Jets, you know, offensively. I saw that today Jerry Hughes, uh, AFC player, defensive player of the week, and mm-hmm. that five of the six weeks, the person who's been the AFC player of the week has played the Jets. Um, and so, you know. I hate to sort of say it's the Jets, but like it's definitely the Jets on some level. But at least it was the Jets, right? At least at least they did it, you know. At least they didn't like not do it, um, which was beginning to look like it. Um, absolutely smothered in the second half, and 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 I think it be, it really starts with the defensive line finally getting some serious pressure on a weak team. But you know what? Slump buster, baby. Just get out there and and beat the Jets. Um, I think that the thing I want to say with the offense is. There is a qualitative difference um, with John Brown missing. You know, I saw a stat from Tim Graham and some other people about how the, the Bills are one of a handful of winning teams with negative point differentials. Um, I think that is, you know, the Bills are negative four overall for point differential. And normally I really read in, you know, I like that as a stat. But also when you're seven games in and one of your games is a, is a complete like accidental blowout and the difference between a positive and a negative point differential is a meaningless touchdown in the Tennessee Titans game at the end of the game, um, <clears throat> you know, excuse me, then I, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. But I think the thing that Josh Allen did, <clears throat> so sorry guys, um, the thing that Josh Allen did that he didn't do against the Chiefs in particular was he stopped trying to throw the fucking ball to John Brown who wasn't there. Okay? He he started making the reads and there was a there was a difference. And Dable helps him with this. In the second half, wide receiver screens, running back screens, tight end screens, like the the play the design of the play starts coming back into the field and as opposed to down the field. And so they helped him out by giving him options of for plays that are like you know, not the deep throw. That's the first and second read. But also he definitely started picking up the first and second read, the second and third read after the first read wasn't there. And Cole Beasley absolutely, you know, is instrumental. And that's what Cole Beasley's for. Cole Beasley is for this kind of game or these types of moments in the game when, you know, they're trying to take away the top of the field. Well, you know what? Get Cole Beasley 100 yards because he can do it. You know, he'll make the catch. He's a great route runner. Throw him the football. They certainly didn't look crisp in the beginning. They looked better in the second half. 
you know, unfortunately, one of their touchdowns gets called back on, you know, not not the not my favorite, you know, defensive uh, or sorry, pass interference call. I forget what the, the call was. I, I sort of, you know, was, you know, a little annoyed at, at it. But um, ultimately, the offensive call, right? Yes, you're right. Sorry. The offensive illegal formation. Right. The yeah. offense ultimately, you know, moved the ball and got enough done. Uh, I think that with Tyler Bass, um, it was the kind of game where if you're a rookie who has struggled and you fucked up your first kick of the day in what looks like a low scoring affair, um, it's weirdly the best game possible for you because you just kept getting chances. And so, you know, he made five of seven, which, you know, by a lot of stretches is terrible um certainly or he made six or he obviously made six because they have 18 points um he made six of eight right and yes. so um you know he he uh it's good for him right because he manages to show like hey i can make these kicks i can make these kicks paul's exactly right he's like forcing the ball weird i obviously didn't go back and look at which way the laces were going this time but it's um it's his best game he ties a bill's record of all things um I'm still kind of done with him in some ways, but I, the the only caveat to that is I don't really know that you could get a better kicker right this minute. So, you know, I guess ride it out. Like if you don't, if you if you can't guarantee yourself you're going to do better at the position, then then fuck it. He's cheap and he's you know and he he does have a good leg, so maybe he'll start straightening the ball out. Um, we can do one more beat on on Tyler Bass, or or we can acknowledge that he's a kicker and. <laughs> had a good day and and ultimately not a great day. I've got kickers. I've got kicker stats. Does anyone talk about kicker stats? Scott, let's yes. do it. I'm yeah, here for your go. kicker stats. Let's do it. All right. Well, I was I was intrigued by our our questions about Tyler Bass. So I've got the pro football football reference up here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Paul. If Paul, you do not have any kicker stats in front of you right now. I right? do not. So this will be an honest answer, okay. uh, an honest and likely incorrect answer. All right. So I want you to give me Scott Norwood's career field goal percentage. I will say 61%. Frank? 87%. Scott Norwood, 72.28%. Okay. So he basically averaged Frank and I to get his yeah. average. Good. Smart move yeah. on Norwood's part. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another one. How about we go with... Um, Long time, uh, let's see, where is he? Long time, I believe, where was he? Oh, there he is. Uh, long time Hall of Fame kicker, if I'm not mistaken, Morton Anderson, field yes. goal percentage. Uh, Paul? I will say it was a different era. I'm going to say 78%. Okay, Frank? I, I like 78%, sure, yeah. All right, well, you are both not more than 2% off, 79.69%. Right. Okay. Right. Ourselves now, on the back. We all, we all remember what we just said at a minute ago. It was Tyler Bass, mm -hmm. 75%. So I give you those numbers, and be like, oh, well, that's Tyler Bass. That's not too bad for one game. I mean, obviously, small sample size. Can't mm -hmm. do a whole career on that. But, you know, you're going you're gonna to make some, you're going to miss some. Um, what if I then told you that, as far as I can tell, Every active NFL kicker has a better kicking percentage than that. Yeah, I would believe that 100%. Yeah. As, as um, would I. Yeah. yeah, so you start with Justin Tucker, obviously, at 90, and Harrison Bucker at 90. Um, and then literally, 
you would have to like um they they have the bolded as the the I believe the current kickers. Uh, I'm pretty sure you go through all of the current kickers all the way down to Nick Folk at 80 percent um, before you would get to uh, where Tyler if Tyler Bass was qualifying, he would be further below, obviously. So I think that's fascinating. I don't think it's time to cut him loose. I think there's time for him to get a little bit better. But I and I think he has value in terms of being kickoffs and having a guy who can just knock it out of the end zone every time if we want. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he seems pretty good at that, and and also placing it on the kickoffs. That is not, that is that is hidden yardage and field position. That's not, um, that's not, uh, not something to sneeze at. But at the same time, yeah, he's got to do a better job. Like you got to be able to. We don't we don't need a guy who's, you know, fifty percent on fifty yard field goals and seventy percent on forty yard field goals. We need the guy who's ninety percent at forty yard field goals, and then everything mm-hmm. else after that is is kind of bonus. So. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully he gets better. But I just uh, figured I'd share those kicker stats with you. Enjoy that. I just looked one That's up, and, and the average kicker uh, is 84.4 percent on field goals nowadays in 2020. I, I randomly pulled up Adam, Vin- Adam Vinatieri, who I think is, you know, we'd all agree is a pretty good kicker overall. Um, his first year in New England, 77.1 percent, and he missed three extra points back when extra points in 1996 were like super close. Two yards, you know, yeah. Yeah, finishes his career at just under 84% uh, field goals made. So, um, you know, there is hope yet for Tyler Bass, but Lord, it's hard being here with him right now. So uh, let's three stars this bitch. All right, let's 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 three stars it indeed. I will give uh, an honorable mention to, what's his name? Dane Jackson. With yeah, the big okay. Pick. Momentum, momentum changing potentially. D-Jax, right? Obviously, yeah, absolutely. the very famous the first, D-Jax. Yeah. First, the first of many, the seventh rounder out of Pitt, if I'm not mistaken, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds um, right. I'll double check. Yeah, and then uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, was did not have a, a terrible game where he was a house on fire. Like we were all terrified and joking. You know, this was turning into wacky schedule by Sunday <laughs> afternoon, where it was like. <laughs> All right, well, let's imagine that the Bills had to play the Jets, but they only had one NFL tight end and one NFL quarterback. Go. Um, and that's kind of what the game was, and the Bills still won by eight, uh, which which Frank Frank was willing to stick to in his uh, in his text chain. So yeah. um, good job, Frank. Good job, Bills, for that. Good job, Dane Jackson, for proving that he might he might be an NFL quarterback. Obviously, one game is, again, a small sample size, but we will take it when you're the only cornerback who's you know healthy and on the roster. Um, obviously, Trey was out there as well, but but a little dinged up. And he um, also did become already the best Dane Jackson in Buffalo sports history, with no offense to Sabres right winger Dane Jackson, who played 22 games in 95-96. So sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, Dane Jackson hockey. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Get get out of here, other Dane. <laughs> this is Dane's town now. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and sleeve you guys in some suspense. Dun, we are going to dun. skip skip the third star. Oh boy! Uh, and we'll come back for our final final star of the evening, which you will leave you guessing. Because the first star, um, to me, these were almost interchangeable. But I will give the first star to previously mentioned AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Jerry Hughes, with the six tattles, the two sacks. I was probably gonna have him on three stars anyway. Um, even before the the crazy interception uh, on the last series uh, that he managed to snatch out of the air um, from Darnold, 
um, which was a nice a nice punctuation of the day. Um, again, and as as people have pointed out, a guy who has been winning his pass rushes, you know, at a solid kind of you know good NFL almost Pro Bowler level this season, but just has not made it on the stat sheet. Um, so it's nice to see him kind of cash in um, against a not not a bad Jets offensive line in some ways. Um, so hopefully he he can be the guy who helps lead the charge for the rest of the defensive line, who again was able to kind of get in and sack uh, sack Donald six times, which was obviously their their, their best performance of the season, um, and hopefully one that they'll be able to replicate next week against a uh, kind of wounded uh, Pats offensive line. Uh, your second star then goes to uh, Cole Beasley with 11 catches, 112 yards. And as Frank kind of referenced earlier, the beneficiary of Josh Allen playing, you know, last year Josh Allen ball means more catches and more targets for Cole Beasley, um, not having John Brown to go to. You know, you could almost see they were, they were trying to, I think, move in this way. The timing was a little off the last two weeks on some of these kind of Beasley catches, even though he's had some good games. They were still, you know, probably could have gone to him more given how much Teams were rolling coverage towards Diggs. Um, at, you know, Beasley was targeted, again, 12 times, but with the 11 catches, um, a, a really solid day at the office, um, on pace for a 1,000-yard season, if I'm not mistaken, which would be his first. Um, I think he's had 200-yard games with the Bills, and he didn't have that many in, like, six seasons in Dallas. Um, so, obviously, we're glad that Cole Beasley is on the team and that Josh Allen remembers he's on the, the field and can get open easily against his own yes. coverage, which they've been um, only- throwing a lot of. It only took him about like three or four throws to uh, Stefan Diggs in triple coverage before he finally just was <laughs> like, was, OK, I guess I could throw it to somebody else. That was that was immediately like I was that's why I was so terrified about the game in the first half. He was just doing the same things that he'd been doing the last couple of weeks. He was Maybe doing more just of it. Throw it harder at him. <laughs> exactly. I'll just throw it through the Jets defensive back. It'll just go Maybe through I his chest. Load one of their shoulders with a football and <laughs> And then Diggs can catch it after, yeah. Um, so we've arrived at the at the remaining star, the third star. And there was a heated debate in the judging room in my head between Josh Allen, 30 of 43, 370 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, probably some things that should have been picked. <laughs> at least two. Yeah. <laughs> if the Jets were paying attention. But, you know, not a terrible day at the office, plus the, the 11 carries with the 61 yards. Um, you know, did have a fumble lost, which was a bummer. Another just, boy, he's just got to really do a little better job with the, the, the that one was, he was in the pocket for that one, but those are, those are still on him too, a little bit. Um, versus our old friend Tyler Bass, who wow. normally would not even be in consideration, but when you score all of the points... <laughs> It does improve your candidacy, even if you're only even if you would have scored like 20. I mean, like, think about it this way. If he had scored 24 points, I mean, at that point, he's got to be the first star, right? Yeah, if if he hits all of them, not only is like Vegas happy or whoever bet on the bills to cover is super happy. But yeah, like you it's undeniable. You have to give a kicker the first star, I think, at that point. Yeah. But he Especially was with like the length of some of them, it was like you know yeah. it wasn't like they were all doing twenty yard chip shots here. Yeah, no, that the fifty three one was 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 nice, and 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 certainly he has the leg. We know that. And yeah. so the 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 debate went around and around and around and around, 
And so the 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 finally a a consensus an ultimatum a a final breaking point was reached and uh, the third star went to Tyler Bass. Wow, right. six of eight. I I the, the 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 persuasive argument was made. The the stats of of Tyler Bass ranking amongst uh, historic NFL kickers might have influenced him somewhat. Um, hopefully, maybe I'm just tired of picking Josh Allen to be in three stars, though I don't yeah. think he's been in the last two weeks, frankly. Um, but uh, either way, Tyler Bass gets your third star, Josh Allen, with the honorable mention. Josh, get us in the end zone next week. You're back in, you're back in the stars. Just my own little personal incentive for Josh Allen. And, I think that's uh, eminently fair. Yeah. I was going to say, I have a quick trivia question for you guys on, on the Tyler Bass uh, scoring all the points topic. Do you know the last time the Bills won a game when scoring no touchdowns? I do think I know the answer to this. Scott, do you know the answer to this? Uh, Let me put it this way. You should know the answer. <laughs> Frank knows the answer. There's a very personal reason why you should know the answer to this game. Okay, well, someone sent me something in the chat room, and I looked at that, and I didn't hear the question. So no, that's not it. No, that's, don't, that's, that's for a minute <laughs> when Paul's answer. talking in your board. Yeah. No, okay. there, there's a very impersonal reason <laughs> you should know this game. Okay, but what was the question? Because I don't remember the oh, question. Oh, the last time the Bills won a football game without scoring a touchdown. The last time the Bills won a football game without scoring a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I have some sort of personal attachment to I said... feel like you could really show up for this game. <laughs> oh, was it the... Wait, no, but it wasn't it wasn't the Steelers game, was it? No, we no, no, no. Then. We saw multiple touchdowns in that exactly. game. Exactly, yes, 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 we did. Um, they were on the far end of the field. I think I think your train of thought will get you there, like a blue line or an orange line. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, right. It, it should be the game that comes to the... To, to be number one in your mind, to be the Uno in your mind, the Pizzeria Uno in uh, your mind. Yes. Okay, so I'm 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 thinking of something. I, it's, it's I'm pecking up some very subtle clues. <laughs> it makes me think that maybe it's that Sean Taylor game from however many years ago when we actually yeah. went to see the Bills play the Redskins, and we did. You're right. I I do remember that, and it ended with the uh, was it Schottenheimer. No, no, it was Gibbs. Gibbs. It was Gibbs. It was another old Redskins coach. Yes, um, it was who Gibbs was too. who attempted to freeze the Bills twice on the same kick at the yes. end of the game yep. and got the 15-yard personal foul that moved the Bills even closer. Yeah, it went from like minute. it went from like a 52 to like a 39 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then that was, and then the That's Bills won it. Whatever. Yeah, the yeah, it Bills. went 52 to 37, but yeah, that was. Yeah. You know, it, it got closer. Well done. Well, I, 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 well done to me, because I clearly got that with no help, strictly based off my own brain power. Well, you are a genius, and that's why you're on this show. Um, look, the, 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 I, look, I think that's completely fair. If you're a quarterback, you know what I was going to say was um, it's nice to have a 300-yard passer. That doesn't get a star, because it's like kind of the bars changed a little, right? Like, can you imagine yeah. like a— a Bills quarterback not getting an honorable mention or a star. 
um, you know, but, after, and, after and, but with 43 attempts as well, like, let's be clear. Like, sure. You, but I, look, I'm saying it took, it took a thousand years for the bills to throw the 300 yard passer. So even with 43 attempts and now he's bad. just like, okay, we kind of expect that. And that, that one kind of snuck up on me. Okay. So John Brown was a full participant in practice. Matt Milano Yay. was, um, Butler, what's it's not Vernon Butler. Vernon, yeah, you got it. Vernon Butler. Okay, Vernon Butler. Quentin Jefferson were both limited on the defensive line. Uh, Cam Lewis limited. Isaiah McKenzie and Brian Winters also limited in practice. Did not practice. Um, Micah Hyatt, I didn't realize he had a concussion. Um, Jerry Hughes with his foot, but I, I don't think that's like a. I feel like that's a veteran certain. rest foot. You yeah. Because Hughes usually takes a veteran rest day. And he's probably like, ah, my foot hurts a bit. So he's probably put that right. on the report. Well, I take my veteran rest day. Yeah. And then you got Norman and Ford, who obviously didn't play last week. And so they're they're also um, um, not available. And then you've got um, the Bills signed uh, tight end Charles Jones to the practice squad, um, which was cool. The weird thing is I could have swore I saw pictures of, of Jerry Hughes at practice today. But... It, maybe he was there, but didn't practice um, on the whole much healthier. Um, you know, obviously that doesn't. Oh, and not in, not on this list, Paul. Surprise, surprise. You didn't put this on the list. Activated to the team. John Feliciano. Yes, that's right. I should have put that as a roster move. And I think it, that happened officially. Yeah. Yesterday, according to Adam, Adam right. Schefter. Yes. Last weekend, they had taken a guy. Uh, off the team and not replaced him immediately. And the, the speculation was that that was meant Feliciano was was um, apt to come back. Now, I don't know how long it takes John Feliciano to go from active to ready to be in a game. Um, but my guess is that it's going to be kind of quick because, A, he was here last year and would be mostly familiar with what's happening. Um, but, B, um, they need him. And so wouldn't you just, you know, I don't know, did, would, they, would they have had to have kept him off the team? Like, did they have to activate him this week or not at I all? Think they, they had to activate him this week or else he was going to be out for, I think, at least another three weeks or till the end of the season. Like there was a punishment for not activating him. essentially. Okay. So so maybe week. he does have a little while longer, but the but they made a big stink about it. Like right, right here. Sal Capaccio team has to activate John Feliciano this week or can't this season. Okay, so the the other quick thing with that I would say just is that he um you know he was posting gifts and stuff on on Twitter about you know being the Joker and ready to come back and you know do work or whatever. So you know I'm I'm hopeful that it's not just um he's you know activated because otherwise they lose all chance to, but like you know that he's reasonably close to this. So the good news is you know we talked about the Bills having to play the the Jets with two hands tied behind their back and one foot tied to the other and they won that game and now you know john brown full participate in practice that's that feels good that feel that feels good to me paul and, and scott i mean what are your thoughts on any of this going into the new england game before we talk about uh trades and uh listener questions yeah i think these are all good balance i think milano being able to, let's start start with Brown, of course, that is huge because we all mentioned him in relation to how good the offense can be and how they are more limited without uh, a guy like, without John Brown specifically in their lineup in terms of their ability to stretch the field, because I guarantee you, whatever it is teams have been doing to help shut down the deep passing game and make Josh go underneath is going to, it's going to be tested 
when you bring John Brown back because you're going to have to, you know, devote even more resources deep because he is a constant deep threat. And he's he's a threat all over the field. So all of a sudden, you know, instead of trying to stretch field with Tyler Croft to, uh, you know, Daniel Jones himself out of a touchdown this week, you know, you have a guy who is capable of, you know, of of stretching the defense and who did it last year against Stephon Gilmore uh, against Patriots on that Christmas Eve game, I believe, or the day before Christmas Eve. So that that's huge. I think Milano's development is, is the next biggest key because the defense is statistics have borne out this year. They are so much more effective with him in there. And that includes Tremaine Edmonds being more effective in there. As far as the injuries. Yeah. We'll see if Feliciano gets back this week. What surprised me they did in, and. Uh, as Frank noted, they activated him from injured reserve yesterday, so he wouldn't be inactive all year. And he wasn't on the injury report this week. So do I take that to mean he's practiced in full? Uh, you yeah. know, I, I just want to take, I uh, got to take a more of a look into that. If so, you can guarantee he'll be back in the lineup because the Ford injury is concerning. Ike Butker, we didn't talk about because we probably didn't want to talk about him, but he was just blasted in, in Joe Biscaglia's assessment of the all 22. He was their lowest graded bill by far on Sunday. So they could use that interior line help. But, you know, I think with getting John Brown back would be huge this week if he stays healthy. And the other concern, well, we'll address this more when we talk about the Patriots game, but injuries to guys like Butler and Jefferson, uh, those concern me a bit simply because of how bad this defensive line has been, because I think we all probably agree that the Harrison Phillips era is coming to an end here and the bills definitely need some help at one technique and the Patriots are a team that could pick on that. So let's hope that, you know, Butler and Jefferson are full bore this week. I don't think I have anything further. I think Paul. Very good. Well, let's talk about some of these trades. I don't know, like we didn't trade for anybody, which is sad. (laughs) Right. Um, There's a okay. lot of news going on about there. Allegedly, Trent Murphy is being shopped, but, uh, you know, who knows who knows where things are going and are they going to get that? I mean, the one technique defensive tackle and the cornerback are the big areas where the bills are alleged to be looking, which would, of course, make total sense. Grant says he just read and this is one of our this is a great way to get both of these topics in here. Paul, by the way, if you want to bring in uh, Vin's comments, you're welcome yes. to. But I didn't know if they qualified as. I think so. They're good discussion points. They're on point. Absolutely. Um, But Grant says on Twitter, MNY Bills, if you want to find us. I just read that Cincinnati is seeking a trade partner for the defensive end, Carlos Dunlap. Does the season-to-date performance of the D-line warrant us kicking the Dunlop tires, uh, which is a great joke, um, and he spells it T-Y-R-E-S because, of course, he's from Europe, or has the second-half performance against the Jets given enough confidence in the Bills Union as it is? Grant, uh, as an initial matter, anytime you utter the phrase second-half performance against the New York Jets, like... You can't read anything into that except against the Jets. Uh, does I don't care. Anytime, any place, whatever universe you're in, you cannot have a one-half performance against the Jets mean anything about anything other than exactly what happened in that instance. Um, I'm ready for Carlos Dunlap. Yeah. And, you know and who I'm else ready. is ready for Carlos Dunlap? The Seattle Seahawks yeah. who have traded. Already? Already. Yeah. Already. Okay. Well, let's take Grant's question, though. Right. It's still a broader. Good... Like, are, should we be kicking the uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dontari Poe and the other guy from Dallas. The two guys from Dallas are are literally going to be cut today because they didn't get traded. That that's like 
should we be kicking the, the tires on on those guys or other defensive linemen and cornerbacks? I mean, I, I think last week we had, you guys had convinced me at least that, you know, corner is something we should be trying to acquire. Um, why don't you guys talk about anything? And Scott, you go first if you have any any thoughts on this. Um, uh, is there anybody that you've read or heard about that you think, yeah, the Bills should be trying to get that guy? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, like we, we talked about a little last week. I mean, I think Dontari Poe is is a fine fit. I think you'd be a little worried just in terms of the a his fitness a little bit. It seems like he's you know he was always a big guy coming out of college and, and starting with Kansas City, then went to Carolina, then moved to Dallas. Um, you know, clearly hasn't hasn't worked out there in Dallas with them being kind of a, a house on fire. So they are so I. You know, I'd be willing to to take a risk, but for the right price, which is you know kind of minimal and not that much. Um, similarly, with you know the the, but I think as I as I said last week, I think my bigger concern is corner depth and just the lack of, you know, we have a bunch of guys who are both injured and not very good, or at least not like killers um, in terms of. Uh, you know, Norman and Wallace both being kind of like guys who have good games and bad games, um, but not not ones who are who are killers. Um, you know, Daryl Worley has come up as someone who's uh, might be available, another Cowboys uh, kind of fire sale guy. Someone was telling me today that Eli Apple was released, um, a former Ohio State cornerback who's kind of been in and out of various uh, leagues. I guess mm-hmm. he was released. By the Panthers, Panther connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Off injured uh, quarterback Eli Apple released by Carolina yesterday. Yeah, so uh, you know we gotta we gotta take some flyers on some guys. I think I think the biggest thing is we have to do something. I think this is a very unique position where the Bills have been in, where we actually do kind of know a fair bit about our team, and there are some gaps where we need to get more depth um, because last year. It wasn't really a depth issue. It was just we were still trying to figure out whether this team as built was good enough to go to the playoffs and and whether or not Josh Allen was the guy. I think we've established the answers to some of those questions now that when healthy and Josh Allen is playing well, this team is definitely a team capable of making a deep playoff run. But they have to have the depth to get them there. And right now they are very banged up and there's no guarantee that that's going to get sorted out by the end of the season. So let's let's be aggressive you know, there's no reason seventh round draft picks rarely turn into Dane Jackson's. Let's just put mm-hmm. that that way. Right. Um, <laughs> or so Stevie Johnson's for a guy right. who yeah. lasts a while. Yeah. Um, so let's let's be aggressive and 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 not not to assume that this is going to be the same position we're going to be in next year. Yeah, I think Scott Scott hit the cornerback position pretty well. Focus quickly on just defensive line. Generally, I talked about the one technique defensive tackle need right now. The bills are in a situation where Harrison Phillips is the only true one on their roster and they don't even want to play him anymore. So obviously there's some guy at the bottom of some other team's roster that to me is worth a seventh, maybe even a sixth round pick. And you know, that pick is usually not going to turn into much. So if you can get a guy who can just help out and help, plug the gap on the on the run defense in anticipation of getting start little lately back next season as well as maybe making a draft pick you know get that stopgap guy literally and figuratively you know who can take on that role this year they did yeah. better in the pass rush against the jets but again as, as frank acknowledged with grant's question about the jets offense it's still the same with the or the jets defense it's the same with the jets offense like if you can generate a the pass jets rush, are bad yeah the jets are right. bad. so you can 
they generate a pass rush. That's good. Um, can you get, you know, get, you just need a guy who can get a little more pressure. Even if it's just a, I don't want to say just a Jordan Phillips guy because those guys are in demand now. But, you know, little pass rush, pa, pass rusher is tough to get at a reasonable price. If they can do it, if they can find a guy that they feel they can rejuvenate the career of, like they've done with a number of players, including John Brown, including Cole Beasley, et cetera, et cetera, down the list. Jordan Poyer is probably the top of that list. You know, that's worth taking a shot at. Offensively, I don't think there's going to be much on the trade market that's going to help. You could say, oh, they could use some offensive line depth. Bill's offensive line is actually pretty average by league standards, and it's going to be with such the the need out there for linemen. It's going to be tough to do that without departing with, you know, higher round draft picks that aren't worth giving up. So I think offensively, unless they can find a tight end at a reasonable price, they probably stay put. But I agree with Scott that, you know, this is a, a new type of season. They do have a chance to make a deep playoff run, but they've got those gaps at corner defense, cornerback and defensive line that would really be useful to fill. Um, let's read Grant's next question and then David's and then Paul why don't you save Vin's comments for when we talk about the Patriots since they're all basically Patriots comments and I have Um, one question that came in Sunday that I made sure to write down so I didn't forget it so great Uh, Grant says he wants to compare this team to 2008 or 2011 Um, particularly 2011 where great start but finished 6 and 10 if I recall correctly you do the off performance in the last three games and the defense against Tennessee and Kansas City have not filled me with confidence that this team will win the AFC East. Uh, I pulled up the 2008 season and the 2011 season. 2008, of course, is Trent Edwards getting knocked out in week five against the Cardinals. Then there's a bye week. He comes back and has a pretty good game against the Chargers in the famous game where the 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 power goes out and nobody yep. locally can watch the game for a quarter. Um, and then, uh, then they, they basically lose, um, so that they, after six games they lose, uh, eight of their next 10, um, beating the chiefs and beating the Denver Broncos. Um, the 2011 season maybe even worse because weirdly they looked really, really good. They had lost two games before going during the five and two stretch, uh, both by three points to the Bengals and the Giants. And I am certain that when we were talking about that uh, at the time, we were like, gosh, the Giants were like, you know, one play away from beating the Giants and probably the same for the Bengals. And then they smother the Washington to win 23 nothing in Toronto and then proceed to lose uh, eight of the next nine. Um, you know, many of them not close, you know, they get kind of close to the Jets and Titans, but are losing by multiple scores uh, across the board, they get close to the within a score of the Dolphins. They blow out the Broncos and then um, just, you know, get that, destroyed. That, that Broncos blowout was their only win after that. Yes, exactly. They win 40 to 14 and otherwise lose by quite a bit um, across the board. Um, and, you know, 2011 is a is a Fitzpatrick season, if I remember correctly, because yep, this is, is a Chan Daly deal. Um, and so I think we it's fair. Yeah, especially in light of, you know, like I had mentioned the stat about the Bills, you know, technically have a negative point differential. Um, Is there a potential for this team to fall apart in the second half? I know I know the negative Bills fan in all of us wants to say yes. okay, but try and take a deep breath and deforce yourself from your bad feelings. And the of course, anything bad can happen. Um, and answer honestly, and the answer can still be yes, of course they're going to fall apart. Um, but do you guys feel like they're going to fall apart? Do you feel like there are fair comparisons with those teams in this team? Or do you think that there is a, a, a qualitative difference with this team? 
Yeah, they're not going to fall apart. Much, much bigger qualitative difference. Trent Edwards' best game was that Charger game. And then his next best game was a 24 out of 35 for 289 yards. Josh Allen's already had five better games than Trent Edwards ever had in his career. Uh, Josh Allen this season. Mm -hmm. They're better at quarterback. They're better everywhere. This is a far superior team. They do have a tougher schedule coming up really starting now, depending on, on how we regard the Patriots. So it, I'm not saying they'll even match next last year's 10 and six record because that, I mean, really they should just get rid of the NFC East and, you know, split the NFC West into two divisions to be fair and let all those teams get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a challenge, but there's qualitatively, I think this is just look at those guys from 2008. Look at those guys from 2011 by and far. I just think this team has a lot more talent on both sides of the ball. And so are they going to lose some games? Uh, down the stretch here, absolutely. Look at this. Look at you know Seattle and Arizona and San Francisco and the Steelers who are undefeated, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a better team. They don't have the competition in the division that those other Bills teams did. Meaning a Brady full Patriots in 2011 mm-hmm. and 2008 season where um, Miami had their their great parcels here. So I I am not even remotely worried about it to be honest. I think you hit on something nice there with the division being a lot weaker. Uh, Scott, do you have any concerns in, in regards to comparing these teams? I mean, it's, I think, yeah, I will, I will be the, that Bills fan then. And yes. I'll, I'll go ahead and say, sure. Yeah. There it's, it's in the back of my head. Cause I, I do look at the schedule and I'm like, yeah, there's, there's some L's potentially coming here with, you know, the, those, those games that Paul mentioned, um, you know, I think the concern is not just the schedule. I, I I definitely think this team is more talented, but that did not show up at all in those Tennessee and Chiefs mm. games. Like they didn't get off the bus in the Tennessee game for whatever reason. And the Chiefs game, they sorta came to play, but they didn't they didn't look like they were really all that like they, there was a lot of plot there's a lot of bad play. Like they every Allen was off, the receivers were off, the defense was off. Um, everyone and no one was really playing well. So if you're capable of putting out those type of performances, you can lose to other teams and still be a, you can still be a talented team and lose. Um, And then you add in these kind of ongoing injury concerns. Like we are already super thin at corner. Um, We are super thin at tight end, especially right now with the, with the COVID stuff. And uh, even with the linebackers were, were certainly like danger close in terms of thin. So, any any injury to those kind of things and and you could start to kind of see things slip away obviously Allen getting hurt would be bad um you know i think we've shown at least that that brown getting hurt can have an effect on the offense mm-hmm. so there's a lot of ways that this can go bad but you could say on some level yes you can say that about every team every year yeah. um but i would say for this specific team it doesn't look like they have um i think they have the talent to be a consistent playoff winner playoff team they've got a good core i think the talent can be there but i don't know that they've figured out what the professionalism that it takes to come to work every week stay in your proper focus and mindset and bring it every week because that's what that's what the chiefs do that's what those good steelers teams do that's what the good patriots teams did like those are the teams that don't take weeks off and they until they get to week 17 and they've already clinched home field advantage. Like the Bills have not figured out that mental piece of this yet, I would say. Okay. 
Well, I, I think the good news is both of you agree that they are better teams than 2008 and 2011, even though Scott sort of agrees or yes. points out like it can definitely fall apart on you. Um, and I think that's I think that's incredibly fair. I, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. Yeah, man, the, the, the NFC, the good news is all the good teams NFC except for Pittsburgh. OK, so. And it was kind Is of anyone else pissed, by the way, that the year New England gets the gets a first place schedule. The first place teams that they have to play, the Bills don't are the Houston frickin Texans. And then <laughs> we're one. That, and then the the Ravens, who are still good, but they're not Steeler level good right now. I don't know. By like a game, they're not Steelers level good. But but I would be upset if the Patriots weren't currently two and four. Um, right. But you're talking like you get the Chargers and the Broncos who have a combined are, are four and eight. Basically, right now there are three two and four teams left on the on the on the stretch. You're going to play one of them twice, which is the Patriots, and that's we'll talk about that in a minute. And the Dolphins three and three, and that's a that's your nine right there. One two three four right. That gets you to nine. And now we're talking about the Steelers who are six and zero, oh. and then yeah, the NFC West is tough. Right. You got the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the 49ers left. And I saw today that Jeremy White had posted a Twitter poll about like whether this Patriots game is the most important game left on the schedule. I kind of think it is because the goal is to win the division and host a home playoff game kind of right. Like and so like the most the most influential of those games is this game, this game or maybe the Dolphins game that are left. Um, and so to me, they, they've done well enough and we'll, we'll do the season halfway review after they play this week, you know, we'll have gone through eight games and we'll talk about how the first half went and, and compare the last quarter to what we thought would happen. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that I'm with Paul. I don't think they will. Obviously anything can happen, but they certainly seem to be getting healthy at a pretty good time. And I think that they seem to be, um, definitely talented enough so i'm 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 kind of happy to be here and i'm not ready to invoke 2008 or 2011 then again if you pull out 2008 or 2011 frank i'm sure he was thrilled with those teams too uh david's question is also kind of a bill's patriots question yeah so do we want to save david and vince questions maybe yeah for the let's patriots get to this day in bill's headlines right i did want yeah. to thank jay ross for his question as well which we essentially just covered he oh, said we've okay. seen two different teams a playoff super bowl quality team and very much not which one is the real team are they good but in a slump or bad but some early luck and i think our last segment address that but uh, i think the answer to is we'll find out next week if they're yeah. a division contender and we'll find out in the next three weeks just how good they they really are Okay. Um, yes. So this day in Bill's headlines, we will go to October 28th. Uh, so we will start in 2019. We have eight headlines today because I didn't want us to, you know, be podcasting for an hour and a half. All right. Thank you. 2019. We will anyway. <laughs> we probably will. Uh, blank boosts Eagles against former Bill's teammates in his return to Buffalo. So this is the Bills moved from the Eagles 43 to 27, but on second and eight quarterback, Josh Allen had to throw the ball away. Brandon Graham sacked down for a two yard loss on third down, fourth and 10. Allen went deep to the middle to wide receiver, John round, but Eagles cornerback blank playing for the first times and suffering a hamstring injury. September 22nd, knocked the ball away. I want to say this is Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby. Darby. You would both yeah. be correct. All nice. right. Look at us Woo. scoring on the first drive. I love it. Uh, look at us. What's the next line after look at us? I forget that. In the I Paul Rudd know. meme. 
Yeah. Uh, Who'd have thought we'd be here? Not yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. 2017. Blank trade saves Bills space under salary cap now and next year. By dealing blank prior to week eight, the Bills avoid paying the remaining $5.735 million in base salary due to him over the last nine weeks of the season. Blank will still count $10.66 million against this year's cap, but that's down from the $16.4 million he was scheduled to take up. This is Marcel, right? That's they sent him to Jacksonville. Yep. Yeah. You guys are two for two. What's kind of funny is I know it's uh, as of Friday night, NFL PA records indicate the Bills have 7.33 million in cap space under the cap, which ranks as 16th most in the league next year, which, of course, they took advantage of by filling up with dead cap uh, when yeah. they are Tyrod and, and Cordy Glenn, everyone else. Mm-hmm. All right. 2015, a little tougher, but doable. Blank using his long his year long sabbatical to prepare for NFL return. Buffalo was good for my state of mind, Blank said. Nobody feels good when you're fired, but after leaving Detroit, I was able to get back on that horse pretty quickly and be able to have some success. Even though we didn't make the playoffs, that was the first winning season Buffalo had had in 10 years. It was good for me to be back to being a coordinator where the only thing you were concentrating on was that one side of the ball. I think I know this one, too. Scott? Um, so this is 2015. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's a guy who was a head coach, but then was a coordinator. Yeah, Detroit. And then in, he was a head coach in Detroit. I think he's a defensive head coach, Scott. Yeah, and then he goes to <clears throat> Buffalo. This would have been in the Rex Ryan era, Would have been right, right before the Rex Ryan. Yeah, this right is the end the of Ryan. the um, Doug Marone era. Right. And every, when you and people were first are, to getting fired, it was Rex not retaining him when Rex became coach in 2015. Right. Okay. And people so, were mad that they didn't make him head coach. I remember this. Oh. Yeah. And so it's not... Shoot. I, I, I think I got I will, it. I will, not, I will not stall it out anymore. Okay, Jim right. Schwartz, right? Jim Schwartz is correct. Yeah, now the Eagles defensive that. coordinator for the last... Fifth season as Eagles defensive coordinator now. Yep. Had, the, had the defense humming fine, and then Rex Ryan comes in and says, nope, I'm going to just <laughs> completely change this defense, run how I want to run it, and we're going to go in the tank. Right. The offense didn't do great, but the defense is just going to fall off a cliff. I feel Thanks, Jim. Well, I'm going to destroy this man's whole career thing was founded on Rex Ryan coming to Buffalo. Right. Because he destroyed everyone's career. He did. All right. 2010, another gettable one. Benching marks new low for Bill's linebacker blank. You might have to get used to it. Coach Chan Gailey said there's no telling when blank might get a chance to play as the winless Bills prepare to play at Kansas City on Sunday. To be honest with you, it gets harder and harder, Coach Chan Gailey said. It's not going out and practicing to see who wins spots right now. If somebody doesn't play well, then you give him another chance. If somebody keeps playing well, he might not get another chance right now. Would this guy be a hybrid linebacker he defensive would. end? Yes. Then it would be uh, Jerky McJerkface, who I hated. Uh, Aaron Maven. Aaron Maven. Wow. Well done. I am I, on fire. Yeah. I feel like this this could do it, though. This will be okay. a tough one. This might get me? Okay. Yes. So 2006, life is a snap for veteran blank. Okay. Blank thought his NFL career was over. <laughs> When Buffalo head coach Marv Levy called his young backup offensive tackle out of the stretching drills in the summer of 1997, 
I'd already been cut four times and I think I'm going to be cut again, Blank recalled. Marv tells me, you're not going to be one of our top eight linemen. I'm getting ready to walk out. Then he said, we want you to focus on snapping. We want you to go to meetings and, do and know what to do, but we don't want you to practice attack on risk getting hurt. I didn't know whether to do cartwheels or be upset. I wasn't going to reach my first goal, but I was going to have a special job. Obviously, it turned out very well. So as you've probably guessed, as a long snapper, he played in the NFL for 16 seasons, uh, mainly with the Bills from 96 to 2000, and then Washington from 2001 to 2009, undrafted out of North Carolina. Corey Lichtenstein? No. Uh, no. Lichtenstein had, was lineman in Washington anyway. Yeah, he was. The guy the guard. with... Yeah, he had guard, flaming bright red hair. He was six foot five, and my my great uncle, God rest his soul, uh, used to see him at a golf course in South Buffalo and noted that, that he could not blend in. This <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this one's going to get me. I'm not going to get the long snapper. Yeah, I think I think John Dorenbos would be the name that comes to mind, but I think he was after this gentleman. So right, he he's actually the one who immediately followed uh, this guy, which is Ethan Albright. Ethan, well, congratulations, yeah. Ethan Albright. And I remembered this, which is why I was wondering if you guys did. He became an internet meme for being the lowest-rated NFL player in the video game Madden NFL 07 at 53 oh. out of 99. It says the low rating was made popular by the now-defunct website Fat Free and gained further traction after Albright received Pro Bowl honors the following year. So yeah, because he had like a passer rating of zero, and he's like, yeah. I can throw the ball. It's like, <laughs> uh, I remember that. Yeah, okay. All right, so no pressure on the perfect score at this point. All right. We've given up one base hit. We can still get the can't win them all. Right. Yep. All right. 2005 blank agrees to extension. The extension, which runs through the 09 season, is expected to be finalized later Friday after remaining details are addressed. The deal, which culminates months of on and off discussions between Buffalo officials and agent Terry Bowler, will average more than four million a year in new money, includes a signing bonus believed to be in the four and a half million dollar range. Originally a fourth round selection from Northwestern State in 2003, Blank has started 20 consecutive games at cornerback. The Athens, Texas native had started 22 of 37 games in his NFL career and ranked second on the team with two interceptions and fifth with 49 tackles. Terrence McGee. Terrence McGee. Wow. Yes. Get it. You guys are fire. Uh, all right. This one, no quiz on this, but I had to mention the game notebook for the Lions in 2002. I know that Eric Moulds and Perros Pranked were ranked one and two in the NFL in receiving yards with 785 and 743, respectively. Yeah. And they were ranked two and three in the NFL in receptions, as trailing only Indy's Marvin Harrison. Did not remember just how good the Moulds price combination was with Bledsoe in 2002. Yeah, that was a wild year. It was. All right, two to go. This one has been a quiz question before. Hopefully you remember the name. Uh, and I'm resting my voice because this is a long description, but it's worth it. Thomas's big day ambushed by shot through gap. Thurman Thomas had his biggest rushing day of the season Sunday night. However, it was one of his rushes that did not work that stuck in his mind after the Bills 28-25 loss to the New England Patriots. The Bills had a chance to kill the clock when they took possession at their own 45-yard line with 345 remaining. Thomas took a pitch around left end but was upended by Pat's linebacker Blank, who shot through the Bills blockers to make the tackle for a two-yard loss. Blank shot through the gap, Thomas said. One reason we ran late in the game against them in Buffalo, their safeties blitzed a lot, and we felt we could get outside on them. The safety did blitz, and they were coming upfield. Tim Tindale got a great knockout block, and if somebody hit Blank, we would have taken it a long way. So I've mentioned him because he was a quiz question before. 
He was undrafted out of Ferris State in 1993 and signed with the Bills. He played in Super Bowl 28, and after three seasons with the Bills, signed with the Pats in 96. He made 23 tackles in two games with the Pats, including this one. He also had stated that one of his reasons for signing with the Patriots was to be closer to Stamford, Connecticut, if that helps one of you in particular. Oh. Oh, come on. No, because Stamford is where WWE is. Yeah, that, yes, yeah. it is. Just down the so, road from, from my hometown. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Scott would know that, too, based on geography, even though he's not a, as big a wrestling fan. So he, I'll give the wrestling background. He was trained to be a pro wrestler by Dan the V Severn and Sabu, made his in-rig debut in 2000, was Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Rookie of the Year in 2004 after being a member of Planet Jarrett in Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, where he was for several years and went by the nickname The Alpha Male. Oh, oh, that almost, I almost got it. Oh, damn it. He went to, signed with WWE in 2006 uh, and had a notable match teaming with Elijah Burke and Kevin Thorne, a victory over Rob Van Dam. Sandman is a playable character in the WWE video game, WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2008. Damn it, who is the alpha male? There's a bill... It's funny because I'm thinking of like I can think of PWI rookies of the year like, but they're all like Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, the Giants, Hornswoggle, like. No, you're gonna say it. I'm gonna be mad because I know this. I know this answer. I just can't. All right. His his ring name in WWE was Marquise Corvan, and his professional football real name the Alpha Male Monty Brown. Monty Brown. All right. Last question. This is another one that I'm glad this guy's name came up because I wanted to use him for a trivia question for a while. 1990, Bills 27, Patriots 10. This is an AP story, which is why the headline is so boring. All right. Thurman Thomas ran for 136 yards and one touchdown. Jim Kelly threw for 208 yards and another score, leading the Bills to their fifth straight win, a 27-10 triumph over the Patriots, who have lost five in a row. Uh... Kelly completed 14 of 20 passes, including a 20-yard touchdown toss to Keith McKellar. Thomas carried the ball 22 times, scored in a three-yard sprint. Also scoring for Buffalo, uh, now 6-1, and one, were blank on a one-yard run, and Scott Norwood with a pair of 35-yard field goals. So the hints on this guy, this is a 1987 round two pick out of Mississippi State by Tampa Bay uh, after three seasons with the Bucks. He spent 1990 with the Bills, where he caught a career-high 21 passes for 255 yards while also being their primary kick returner. 32 kickoffs for 643 yards. My One of my favorite pieces of trivia about this uh, involves this person. He scored the opening touchdown in Super Bowl 25 for the Bills in what turned about to be only carry of the game and the final carry of his career, as well as Buffalo's first-ever Super Bowl touchdown. should know this it's not a common well let's put it this way it's actually an extraordinarily common name so that's why it's tough to google him but it's not a name that is a bills fan pops in your head because you really just played with them for 1990 they uh lost him to miami and plan b free agency after the season but he never played a game for the dolphins so that's why super bowl 25 was it for for him unfortunately in 1994 he was sentenced to 15 years in prison uh oh no it's don smith don smith yes yes there you go good job all right it was the it was the drug charge that 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 got it over the top. Good job, Frank. Frank ending on. Yeah. 
So that was uh, this day in Bill's headlines, uh, October 28th. Wow. Uh, here's another wow. Bills are favored. Against, against the, Patriots, the Patriots. The first time since 2014, I think I read. Three and a half they... point favorites. So, you know, slight favorites. Uh, you know, the money line's not great. I don't know what that means, but okay. Um, no, but yeah, the Bills are three and a half points. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I got I got to find out if Don Smith is still in jail. Um, Good luck. I tried to Google and I, it was just the last article I'd find was from 94. And it's like since 15 years out parole and he had his head down in the courtroom. And then that was all I could find. All right. Well, good for him. Maybe he's happy being out of the spotlight. Um, yeah. So look, the Patriots uh, benched quarterbacks last week. Like last last week on the group chat, I was telling like I was saying like, hey, this is a good win. We're in good shape. And like, you know, if the you know, they, they got an opportunity to to bury, you know, take a commanding lead in the division. And, and Paul was immediately like, well, wait a minute. If the Patriots win next week and they beat the Niners today, yeah. then blah, blah. And like within like seconds of that <laughs> happening, the, the, the 49ers were up by about a thousand points on the the Patriots, yeah. which, again, the Niners are a very good team and it, it might not play the same against the Bills. But certainly Cam Newton has not looked like himself since coming back from uh, his positive covid test. Um, I don't know if that's related, but he certainly struggled. Um, and Jared Stidham is is literally nothing to be afraid of. He is the anti-Halloween. There is not he is <laughs> like he is like the pony costume at your front door that a two year old's wearing. That's how scary Jared Stidham is at quarterback. Um, and so they don't have the quarterback and they don't have a lot of weapons. And, you know, I fell for a, a trade rumor this week that Stefan Gilmore was already gone. Um, and so. Uh, I don't know, like the bills are, the bills are set here that I outlined it a little bit earlier. The, you know, they're, they're a win this week puts them up like three games on the dolphins and four or five games up on, um, everybody else in the division with, you know, just, you know, half the season left to go, which is a lot of freaking games to make up for those other teams. Um, you know, David Furster says it looks like there may be 40 to 50 mile an hour winds guster in the Bills Patriots game. Will we see any passing? And that can't be good for the Bills. I agree, except I think that Lord help me. I'm about to say it. Um, we got a quarterback with a strong arm to throw in these darn tootin' Buffalo. <laughs> oh, Doug Whaley's a guest on the podcast. Boy, you yeah, right. I, <laughs> I, I, I'll say this, David. I don't think it's going to stop the Bills from trying to pass. Right. Like, I think they're it. Will it hurt the game? Maybe, but I think that they're like, I think that you get Josh Allen, like you damn well better get your ass up there and pass after I got to hear like 40 years of, well, we got this guy cause he's got the arm to do it in the conditions. Well, he, you know, we, he better go ahead and make it happen. Um, or at least give it a go. Um, Paul, uh, you just did, no, you, you just did this day in Bill's headlines. Scott, why don't you give us your initial thoughts on this game? And then Paul, since then is your friend, yeah. um, he's all of our friends, I'm sure, but <laughs> Since you know him and he's the Patriots uh, friend of yours, why don't you recap his thoughts on Twitter and we'll um, we'll discuss we'll, we'll finish our discussion that way. Yeah, I mean, this is, um, you know, uh, it's the Pats. Belichick's obviously a good coach. They have a secondary that's still pretty, pretty lethal with with Gilmore and McCourty back there. Do they still have both McCourty's? I think they do. Mm -hmm. um, they do. Um, you know, these, you know, Chase Winovich, not a bad pass rusher. Um, 
but boy, it just you don't see how much talent you just don't see a lot of talent on this team. I mean, it's it's the the theory at this point is like Cam Newton plays like 2014, 2015 Cam Newton. Like that's that's about it because I mean they you know Edelman's dinged up, Harry uh, and Kiel Harry's hurt. Um, you know, Damian Harris, the running backs hurt. So, I mean, they, they do a running back committee, which is a little concerning. So they'll have James White and Rex Burkhead. They obviously have been more run game focused the last couple of years with Brady mm-hmm. on his final en- exit. Um, though, obviously, he's still, you know, managing to put it together down in, in Tampa Bay. Um, I think I think the Bills have the Bills are the Bills. I It's hard to say. Pick, it, yeah. I'm going to pick the Bills to beat the Patriots this weekend by a score of 24 to 21. I think it's going to I don't think the Bills are going to completely outclass them. I think the, the the Patriots have enough talent to make it dangerous. I think the Bills have been playing particularly well. I'm hoping the Bills can get into the end zone, which is obviously they failed to do against the New York Jets last week. So let's not start kind of sucking each other's popsicles here yet, but I still think they can get it done. So I, I will go ahead and say it's it's a tight tight Bills win that I will be um, sweating the entire time. 24 to 21, not picking the eight field goal game or or the 12 safety game by, by uh, you know, right. we no, are looking not, at not Bass goes eight for I think 12 we need, on field goals. <laughs> yeah, I think we need at least one touchdown in this game. You got to get 12 attempts. I mean, he's a 75% kicker, so you got to get at least 12 attempts for him. Um, so, okay. Uh, you know, it's we'll let Paul go last. I agree right. with with Scott. I think that I I'm man, it's a fucking sentence to say, isn't it? Like, I really think the Bills are going. You know, and usually when yes. I'm picking the Bills to win, I'm like, yeah, I'm daring to dream. Yeah. And, Screw and, you, and, Patriots. Right. No, like I think the Bills are going to win this game, and I think they should win this game. And I think I'm going to be mad if they don't win this game. And, uh, you know, I agree with Scott. I think you'll see a better offensive performance. I can't discount. I can't say that the um, the the Patriots are just going to roll over for him, you know. So um, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to pick a similarly big score. I'm getting texts of my daughter laying in the in the in the crib looking and smiling like I'm not going to sleep. Um, but uh, if you can hear the text message, I'm sorry, guys. Yes, the I'm, I'm picking the Bills to win. I th- I think I think I'm going to pick something like um, 30 to to 26 or, you know, I, I think the Bills are going to get offensively back into position. Um, I think they're going to score a bit more. I think that they might struggle um, w- with some things that the, the Patriots do, um, you know, but I think that the bills are going to win. Really, if I'm being honest, I should say, I think the bills are going to win big, but I can't bring myself to actually say that. I just have a block in my head that won't let, won't let me do it. So I'm going to say 30 to 23. Um, and I'll let Paul finish us off here. All right. Well, let's, uh, go to the question, which I'll help transition to my pick. Uh, from Senior Transportation Advisor at the Office of New Jersey, uh, Governor Phil Murphy's, and former Acting Assistant Secretary for the U.S. Department of Transportation, uh, Mr. Vin White, a lifelong uh, Patriots fan. Yes, and who is, of course, asking these questions in his complete official capacity and should be judged as such. Right. These questions are essentially coming from Governor Murphy. Absolutely. And when, yeah, so if there's a FOIA request, we will comply. Yes. All right. The New England Patriots are rudderless. They have no shot at the playoffs, much less an AFC title. 
the title is the Bills to lose. They will beat the Pats twice and take three of four versus Seattle, the Chargers, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco to seal it. Buying or selling this narrative in my head. To which he follows up. He nearly listed Miami with Buffalo here to compete for the AFC East, but thinks they have turned to Tua after Fitz's impressive starts will, you know, put them behind a little bit. Um, so again, this is a lifelong Patriots fan. Uh, Sounds like a not, drunk Bills fan. He, right, right. And this yeah. is not, I do, this is what I call a Grogan Patriots fan. This isn't someone who hopped aboard during the Bledsoe Brady era, like, <laughs> oh yeah, this team's going to be, you know, like, this guy was through some, this guy was through the shit that we were through the last, you know, two decades for the most part. Probably has so, an Irving Fryer jersey somewhere in his closet. I think he might have an Irving Fryer jersey, awesome. actually. I've got to I can check, check that. Okay. So this this is the game kind of, right, guys? Like, if they win this, it is safe to say that the Patriots are in the rearview mirror for 2020. I can't say going forward. You know what they're going to do draft pick-wise. But this is that that divisional turning point. They're, if not now, when for this Bills team? If not now, never, I would say, for this Bills team. This is when you have to jump on the Patriots at the weakest they have been in years. And you can't just uh, say like, oh, well, they outplayed us today. This won't be an easy game. I agree with both of you on that. And I agree with David's point even about the, the weather being a problem. And I think one thing the Patriots have done well when they've been able to commit to it is run. They fell so far behind San Francisco last week that it entered, they running became a non-option and they the ball too much. They can run and the Bills have problems stopping the run. That's going to be a problem for the game. But you look at the town on both sides of the ball, the Patriots still have a very good defense, if not at the elite level that they were last year. But their offense, to quote Vin, is is rudderless. And I just can't see them putting up a ton of points. And I feel like even if they get, you know, some long drives going on a windy, rainy day, that's when, you know, fumbles tend to be kind of an issue. So I think for the first time in history, three of us are picking the Buffalo Bills to beat the New England Patriots. Um, oh. So remember that when this uh, when this all goes to shit. <laughs> uh when next I'm week we're saying, talking about how the the stadium well, yeah, blew up and we so yeah so next week when we're like sorry we can no longer do this podcast right right so the paths went 57 to 10 well this will yeah. be the reminder uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna pick the super bowl 25 score with belichick on the wrong side of it this time buffalo 20 patriots 19 I guess we should point out at this point that, you know, Tom Brady's contract allows him to play the two games against the Bills um, for the Patriots. So. No. <laughs> I think if the, I think, you know, I kind of said this after the, the Chiefs game, like, let him run. You know, I'll tell you what, if the if, if they run like the Chiefs ran, that's fine, because you know what? They don't have the rest of the Chiefs weapons for sure. So I don't think it's going to end the same way. I think it's an OK plan to let the team run. Um, but we'll see. And if you have questions or thoughts or comments or want to tell us we're crazy or we're, you know, you're, you're agreeing with us and you're ready for the, the, the bills to, to, to finally, you know, you know, seize this damn division by the throat for the first time in 20 years, do it. MNY bills on Twitter, B bills, MNY on Facebook. Go ahead. You can find us all the places you normally find podcasts. We're on anchor or everywhere. You can search Buffalo bills podcast. We will be there somewhere. Um, but you should let us know. You should let other friends know it's an exciting time in Buffalo bills, uh, football. So why don't you go ahead and get on board with us? The preferred podcast of, 
other Bill's podcasts, except for the ones that suck. Uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We're hopefully talking about the six and two Buffalo Bills. Uh, my name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.